You don't have to know a lot of things in order to make a huge difference for the Lord in the world. But you do need to know a few things that are great and be willing to live for them and die for them. Will I let Jesus prove to me that he's truly my strength? To let him prove inside of me that through him I can do all things. The True Strength Life Podcast with Aaron Simpkins. Check out TrueStrengthApparel.com for clothing you'll love with a message you can trust. That's TrueStrengthApparel.com. Good morning, everybody. I forgot where the camera was. Um, yeah, a little bigger crowd than I'm used to for this hour. That's cool. Uh, we're going to be in week 24. <clears throat> um, I'm going to try to cover 1 to 35 today. We'll see how it goes. But uh, first, let's pray. Lord, thank you um, for this time. Thank you for this opportunity to learn more from your word, learn more about you, learn more about how you interact with us, God. And I pray that from what I've learned that I'm able to uh, hopefully convey some of that um, and, uh, uh, in a profitable way. Um, please give me the words to speak, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the, uh, the end of Luke. And it, it all has come to this. This is the, the resurrection time. Um, this is the, uh, the most important time. Um, there's, a very, there's very many important times, but this is, this is the, uh, I'll talk about more kind of at the end of uh, why the resurrection is so important. Um, uh, so important to our worldview and our faith um, and to truth. But right now, first, before I go into the resurrection and start the chapter, I wanted to uh, read why this is so important, um, and it kind of all is is wrapped up and covered in First Corinthians fifteen, which is that really famous uh, resurrection chapter by Paul. And but in this section, First Corinthians fifteen twelve to uh, twelve to nineteen, he really covers and clearly makes, you know, the argument um, and the statement that why this is a big deal, why it's important, why it matters so much, and if it didn't happen, then also why that matters. So, verse 12, now if Christ is being preached as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is futile and your faith is empty. Also, we are found to be false witnesses about God, because we have testified against God that he raised Christ from the dead. When reality, when in reality he did not raise him, if indeed the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is useless, you are still in your sins. Furthermore, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have also perished. 
For if only in this life, life we have hope in Christ, we should be pitied more than anyone. So, uh, I guess to simplify that, he's, he's, am I not on? Maybe not. I'm on now? Okay. Uh, I'm just going to keep going. Um, so, to simplify that, he's making the argument. Um, I've, I've, I've talked about this before in other lessons, but uh, so I keep it brief. But the, the, uh, the idea that in the Bible itself, in other words, in, in our faith's holy scriptures, because every, every worldview, every faith, major faith has a holy scripture that they consider holy um, or text. And, but none of them has this that the Bible has. None of them has, has something inside of it that says if this one historical fact did not happen, then, then forget the rest. It, you know, we're to be pitied and it doesn't matter. So that's a big deal. No, no, other, no other holy text of any other religion uh, hinges all of their faith and all of their teachings on one historical fact being true or not true. Uh, so that's why it's a big deal that, that Paul says this in 1 Corinthians 15. And so it's a big deal that this is true or not. Um, so now let's, let's go to uh, Luke 24. In my typical fashion, I'll, I'll read uh, 1 to 35, and then we'll go back to it. We'll go back through it. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, bringing the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. They went in, but did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. So the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? asked the men. He is not there, but he has been resurrected. Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be betrayed into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and rise on the third day. And they remembered his words. Returning from the tomb, they reported all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the other women with them were telling the apostles these things. But these words seemed like, seemed like nonsense to them, and they, they did not believe the women. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went home amazed at what had happened. Now that same day, two of them were on, on their way to a village called called Emos. Does anybody know how to say that correctly? Emmaus. I, I was looking it up, and I, for some reason, couldn't figure out how to say it right. It's right next to Bethlehem. Lehigh Valley. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Amazed. All right, so I'll run with that. Um, that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place, and while they were discussing and arguing, Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, What is this dispute that you're, t that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas <clears throat> answered him, are you, only, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things? He asked them. So they said to him, The things concerning Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech, before God and all the people. 
and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that, that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. He said to them, How unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. They came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, Stay with us, because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. It was as he, as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, Weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was talking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? That very hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together, who said, The Lord has certainly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what had happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. Yeah, drink. <clears throat> All right, so the first section is, uh, is basically 1 through 12. Um, I'm going to kind of, when I was planning for this, I couldn't get away from, I have a few breakdowns of, of the verses in 1 through 12, um, but then the rest of it, 13 through 35, I, I was like, for some reason it, it didn't, I didn't feel like I should take the approach of like a verse by verse when I get to that section, and I'll, I'll explain why when I get there. Um, because this one, this one thing kept stay, sticking with me, so I really just wanted to, to stay on that. Um, but start with uh, in the beginning. Um, but before the beginning, in 23, um, the end of 23, I want to read that real quick. Verse, start in verse 50. There was a good and righteous man named Joseph, a member of the Sanhedrin, who had not agreed with their plan and action. He was, he was from Arimathea, a Judean town, and was looking forward to the kingdom of God. He approached Pilate and asked for Jesus' body. Taking it down, he wrapped it in fine linen and placed it in a tomb cut into the rock where no one had ever been placed. It was preparation day, and the Sabbath was about to begin. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed along and observed the tomb and how his body was placed. Then they returned and prepared spices and perfumes, and they rested on the Sabbath according to the commandment. <clears throat> So that lays the groundwork for where we're starting in 24. Um, that's why in verse 1 where it says, The first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came to the tomb, um, bring the spices they prepared. So that's just, again, showing us the, uh, the preparation into that. And then they're jumping right into, you know, they, they, they probably had some, somewhere in the back of their minds had in their, had in their head that, you know, Jesus did talk a lot about resurrection on the third day. So I, you know, I may be doubting that that is, is true because I did just watch him die. So that was a traumatic event. But 
we still want to go. We still want to go and check this out. It's the third day. Uh, I want to go look. Plus, um, within their tradition, they, they wanted to go and um, uh, check the wrappings, put, you know, spices in tune, you know, the whole thing. And so they wanted to, you know, to do all that within their, their traditions. Um, but it also, it's funny, we, obviously the resurrection was on the third day. That's very common, just, you know, we say it very easily. But when you're reading, when you're actually reading it, um, it doesn't sound like three days. Because uh, it, 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 it's very interesting um, how they counted uh, the days. So Jesus died on, on Friday, probably in the afternoon at some point, but that was one day. Saturday was the Sabbath, that was two days. And then Sunday morning, Resurrection Day, was three days, even though it was really like just over 24 hours in between, um, day and a half. But, uh, but it, was, it was three days. Uh, it was on the third day. <clears throat> and um, we have talked about this before. I, I think I may have even brought this up uh, in my last time I talked. Um, but the role of uh, the role of women in these uh, these events is very important, um, and especially considering that back then, that back then, if you were trying to if you were trying to make an important point or get something across or get a lot of people to believe something, um, or just thinking you were telling the truth, quite honestly, you wouldn't have gone to you wouldn't have had women tell it for you. Because uh, that was, in that culture, that was just not, they, they didn't look at women like that. Um, and I have a, uh, a little clip that I'm going to read from Josh McDowell's book, uh, Evidence That Demands a Verdict, that better explains that. If one were to fabricate an empty tomb and risen Jesus in first century Mediterranean culture, one would not cite women as eyewitnesses, given their low status as credible witnesses in the eyes of the people and the courts. It is therefore reasonable to think that what is recorded actually happened. Why would the gospel writers make up these details to support their story? They knew their culture far better than we do, and if they were making up a tale, they would not begin it with a story to cast their new religion in such a poor light. It would not be a proper way to begin their myth. Scripture's identification of women as the first witnesses of the empty tomb thus supports the historical veracity of the accounts. Um, so again, it's just it's, it's it's one of the very very many ways that you can you can go into this and break it down to pull out all the different pieces that help build the case that this is this actually is true actually happened the way that, that the Bible says, um, and uh, especially you know considering the culture and the history, but also it's very cool. Um, it's no secret that, and, and I, th I think this is all, and this I'm just saying now, I didn't actually have any of this in my notes. Um, I think it's very cool how God's word obviously is, is inspired by God. So he, he, knew, he knew all of the people and all of the cultures throughout all of history that were going to be reading it and laying eyes on it. And so it, it's... It's interesting that, and there's been a lot of cultures throughout history, especially since, you know, this has been written and all that, um, that have devalued women's roles in society. And so for, for 
this is just one example, I think, of where scriptures is, is, you know, is God's way of saying, like, no, this is not, the, these women are just as important and just as valuable as men. What they have to say, what they have to teach is just as valuable. It doesn't make a difference, you know, man or woman, who's teaching it uh, and, or who's telling you it's true or, or not. If it's true, it's true. And I think that's so cool, uh, especially considering how throughout history, one of the downfalls of the church has been, um, you know, the, in how we handle uh, the roles of women within the church. Um, that is obviously a lot larger discussion, but I just think that's a, uh, an interesting point in all this. Um, verse 4 Verse 4, while they were perplexed about this, suddenly two men stood by them in dazzling clothes. And so they, they, they just saw, uh, the, they just saw the, the stone was rolled away. And the stone was rolled away. Uh, it, it, nobody really knows for sure. Was it, was it actually a, you know, somewhat of a round stone on somewhat of a track? And it was rolled away literally? Or was it just a big stone that was found plopped in front of a hole? No one really knows for sure, but... It was rolled away. It, it was out of the way, is the point. Um, and then even more important to that, they didn't find the body. They didn't see Jesus' body when they are in there. So they're already, you know, as this version says, perplexed uh, about what just happened. And, uh, and then they see these, these two men in dazzling clothes. Um, another way of saying be, uh, perplexed is, is uh, bewildered. Um, or, but in other words, the point is... Uh, referring to a high state of confusion or anxiety. And as I think any of us can imagine, if we're trying to put ourselves in their shoes, we would probably be feeling the same exact thing, um, and which, which I think is, is pretty natural. But then it goes one step further, and they see the, these, these angels. So, so they're just like, they're probably losing their minds. And verse 5, the women were terrified and bowed down to the ground. I think all of us would do that. Uh, would, would have this type of reaction. Um, but then this question is really, this question that's asked by the angels is, is so cool. Um, it's the end of verse 5. Why are you looking for the living among the dead? And they're, they're, they're asking the question, um, assuming... Uh, assuming the answer of, well, Jesus is alive. Why, why are you, he's, this was his tomb. A tomb is where a dead body goes, but he's alive, so why are you here? You know, what, you didn't, you didn't believe what, what, he, what he had been telling you this whole time, that he was going to defeat death and resurrect three days later? You, you know, he's, he's not here. This is where dead people go. He's not dead. And um, so I thought, I mean, I, I think that was, that was kind of cool because, it, it one had to be very encouraging because they're hearing these angels say he's not dead, and then and just it's also a you know a way of uh, uh, immediately confronting doubts that we might have. Um, so I'm gonna jump to uh, I'm gonna jump to verse eleven. 
But these words seemed like nonsense to them, and they did not believe the women. So, leading up to this, this is talking about the women had the women had run back, and they came back to tell all the rest of the disciples and and other followers of Jesus. Um, and the first response, again, a lot of this probably has to do with the culture. Um, the first response was, "That's nonsense. I don't believe you." But then Peter, verse 12, Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. When he, when he stooped to look in, he saw only the linen cloths. So he went home amazed at what happened. Um, interesting note on the, the linen cloths. This was not something at all that when I first was going through all this, I thought I was going to talk about. But then I was reading some stuff on it and... Uh, some people, some people think the, the, the linen cloths laying there could be a big deal because, because the, the, they, they could have been in the same exact position as if they were wrapped on his body. So, you know, he was wrapped up, his body was wrapped up, and then he just disappeared, but they were still in the same exact, the same exact way, uh, just laying there flat as if they were on him. The point being why that is important if that was the case, is that that completely dismisses any theory of the body was stolen because there's no way that that uh, robbers could have put those those linen cloths back together like that the way that they were on his body and make it look that that neat as if as if he was still there but he wasn't. Um, there's no way that's possible. Uh, that was just something that I. I picked up on reading what, what some other people had, had to say about it. I thought that was interesting. Um, now, in, uh, and this is kind of where I'm going to jump, jump around a little bit. Um, this section 13 to 35, it goes to a different scene. And it's following, uh, it's following two Jesus followers and then Jesus comes up and starts talking to them as they're traveling on the road. First of all, can you even imagine that? Like, just think about that for a second. Now, at that point, they didn't know it was him because um, their eyes had not been opened yet. But, but that's so cool. And it, and it gets even cooler um, in verse 27. But uh, it's a really cool picture of God walking with us. Um, no matter what we're, we're going through. And imagine what these guys are going through right now. They're, they're followers of Jesus. So right now, they're, and, and they had just, it was, it was literally like, it was two days ago that they had just watched him die a gruesome death and be tortured and be crucified <clears throat> and then be taken away because it was known that his body was dead. Um, and that was that was was their leader. That was you know, that was who they followed. And so imagine what they're they're dealing with, you know, mentally, emotionally, and all that. They're 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 really down. Um, they're in they're in in a lot of pain. There's a lot of confusion, probably um, anxiety uh, of all kinds. And and then here comes Jesus. Walking right up next to him, and just and just starts talking to him, 
And they're like, hold on a second. What do you mean you don't know what's going on? Like, like what's wrong with you? You living under a rock? <laughs> and, uh, and, and he's like, no, tell me. That, and that's part, that's, that's not a, uh, that's not Jesus obviously not knowing what's going on, but that's, that's Jesus wanting them to explain back, you know, no, you, you tell me what, what's going on. Um, cause you, you know, you saw all the events and you also think you know how things are going. So you tell me and, and, and then he's probably also thinking like, you, you tell me what you're thinking and then I'll tell you how you're wrong. Um, go ahead. I was just thinking... Uh, with prayer, mm-hmm. we're not praying that God doesn't know what's going on, but so many times He wants to hear what we think, what's going on in our life. Yeah. You know, so same with thing here. So yeah. like you said, it's not that Jesus didn't know what was going on, but He wanted to hear where these guys were. So He said, it's almost. Exactly he wanted them to say it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, because when you say it yourself, it's also. Uh, when when you say to yourself it's a real it's it's you also realizing where you are where your heart is and where your mind is, um, and good. I'll just say does it make it like more? Is there a significance or does it make it more like real or more aware for saying it out loud? Because if God like knows us and everybody, why would He need us to say it out loud? I guess is my question. Well, if you already know our thoughts and our minds, right? Like, I guess it's you know, obviously they're downcast, and that's exactly where we would be every day were it not for the resurrection. Yeah. But the reason that they are is because they didn't believe. Mm-hmm. So they are, you know, kicking stones because they did not believe what Jesus said. Yeah. And he meets them right there in the middle of all that doubt and unbelief. Yep. You know, it isn't like clean up and, you know, come talk to me, right? Heads down, and I'm not believing what he said, you know, because the circumstances look different, and he meets them right there. It's come as you are. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and that kind of, that point actually brings you the other part of this that I want to talk to. Um, First of all, to wrap all that up, what we basically already said, Jesus walks with us no matter where we are or what we're going through. He's always there, and he always knows, um, but, and, and he's always going through it with us. Now, then there's also this moment, um, like I said, where he's going he's gonna to have them uh, explain what, what was going on, and then he's going to basically tell them how they were wrong. <laughs> Or, or how they were, you know, why, are, why were you doubtful? Um, and he said in verse 25, after they had told him, you know, everything going on, how unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? So he say, he's saying, he's bringing, he's bringing back, in, back in, front of, in front of them to their face. You say you believe in scripture, you know the scriptures, you know that the prophets have prophesied all these things. I've been telling you this whole time. Now, again, they didn't know he was Jesus yet. But the Messiah, Jesus, has been telling you this whole time that he had to deal with this, deal uh, with these events and go through these events. And these events had, been ha- had to happen. Why don't you believe that they're going to happen still? Um, 
you know, why don't you believe the, the prophets and the scriptures that you hold so dear, um, that you know to be true? Like, why don't you believe them? And, uh, and then 27 is so cool. I think it's so cool. Because not only is, first, okay, try to put again yourself in these shoes. Not only is Jesus walking with you, but now you get Jesus uh, explaining all of Scripture to him. Just, just starting, with, uh, starting with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself and all the Scriptures. <laughs> like, you, you know, we had, a, we had a hardcore, you know, Bible teaching yesterday. He's not Jesus. <laughs> as much as Gordon is, is great and, and all of us are. And, yeah, all of us are in our own way. And, and we all have so, you know, a lot of experience in this room with, with the Bible. But none of us are even close to, to Jesus teaching the Bible. Um, and just that idea is is incredible to me. Um, and oh, I already said all that in my notes. Uh, so, all right. So kind of to wrap this up, um, again, I want to kind of go back to what I started with, which was why is this resurrection uh, being true so important to us and to the world because um, it's the it's the main hinge point of our faith and the the main uh, the main foundational there's many other main ones but this is like the main foundational uh, difference between the truth of the Christian worldview which is really just like the true worldview um, and all of the other worldviews that are man-made because you think about it this is, this is not a man-made worldview story. This starts with God. And, and God is, is, is telling it how it happens all throughout. And how what will happen. Every other worldview starts with a man at some point. Basically a man on, along some point in history going through something. Had an idea or a dream. And then just ran with it. And... Now you have different religions and stuff in the world. Um, and, but, this, but, but Christianity didn't start from man. Christianity started with God. Um, so, and, and the resurrection being true is, is again, just about, uh, like we read back in 1 Corinthians 15, that's the main historical event. It either happened or didn't happen. And is the is the cornerstone event of our faith. Um, you know, I've had some talks with some people where not believers, um, but we're just going back and forth on you know worldviews and and the Bible and stuff. And I said, well, let me just let me just wrap all this up and kind of kind of I, I and I the way I put it to people where I have made it, and maybe maybe this isn't the best way, but it's how I've done it and uh, and how I like doing it, honestly. Uh, I say, let me simplify this for you, and let me let me make it really easy for you, and not that easy for me. All of what I'm telling you hinges on whether this this event is true. Period. So, so if you can tell me and you can prove to me that this is not true, then you're right. 
no matter what your other view is, you're right that I'm wrong. But I said, you have a lot of explaining to do if I can show you how, how this is true and give you many very good reasons for that it's true and you still just don't want to believe it. So it, it's very important, the resurrection. Um, so that's what I got.
If you love this show enough to actually support it financially, well, we have a page where you guys can do that for us. That's at patreon.com slash truestrengthlife. Again, that's patreon.com slash truestrengthlife, where you can become a patron to the True Strength Life podcast. See our goals we have on there that we want to reach for, for creating better content for you guys. We greatly appreciate you. God bless. Hey guys, one last thing. You can do me a huge favor by going and rating this podcast on whatever platform you're listening, especially Apple Podcasts, because ratings have have the most to do uh, with pushing you up the charts, getting people more exposed to your name and your podcast, and, and hopefully bringing more listeners. Um, we are a Bible-based, uh, gospel-based show. We do... We, we do mess around with some other things, but that is our main purpose. That is our, our main message is to get out, uh, get out Jesus and his good news and bringing that through interviews, bringing that through other shows so that are, are hopefully uh, thought provoking and sometimes even fun. And anyway, the best way you can help us, the simplest, easiest way you can help us is by rating the show. Um, please rate the show, especially if you're on Apple platform on the Apple platform and um, we greatly appreciate it. Thank you.